Thank you for downloading this podcast from our Tabar Gathering 2018. For more information on Tabar, please visit tabar-network.com. We hope you enjoy listening to this teaching. Um, I, I suppose the subject of emotional and spiritual health is such a big one. We, we could go in all sorts of directions and... Uh, I'll tell you just a little bit. My job in the church that I worship in, so 10 years ago, I was asked, would I start something called wellness ministries? And at that time, I wasn't sure what wellness ministries meant. So anyway, we started down a road. And I suppose for me, the question that I continually ask myself, I'm still asking myself this question, is it well with my soul? And there's an amazing song by Kristen DeMarco from Bethel. And maybe Matthew can find that, but it doesn't matter if you can't. Kristen DeMarco's song, It Is Well, It Is Well, It Is Well With My Soul. And there are all sorts of things and all sorts of books like Rhythms of Grace and Understanding Our Boundaries and Taking a Sabbath Rest and being replenished physically, being replenished emotionally, being replenished spiritually, being replenished intellectually, all those things cause us to be well. But a little while ago, I got very physically tired and I thought it was an age thing and I thought, well, maybe this is what happens when you're an old lady. And and I went before the Lord and I said, "Um, it's not well with my soul. So I felt, so the soul is the mind and the emotions and the intellect and all that sort of thing. And I started to say, I don't know if it's well with my soul. I don't feel very well. And I wondered if I had some weird virus. And I felt the Lord at that time said to me, you're breaking one of the commandments. And I suddenly thought, surely not. You know, I haven't murdered anyone and I haven't kicked the cat and I haven't stolen anything that I know of, and I started to confess stealing pencils when I was three. (laughs) Sorry, sorry, I'm sorry, I think I stole somebody's rubber when I was in primary one, and and all the time the Lord's saying, you're breaking the commandments, and I thought, what is this? So again, we sometimes become so familiar with commandments, but one of the commandments that really jumped out at me just a little while ago, it says, six days shall you labor and you probably know the end of the commandment and on the seventh day you shall have rest and I think I was guilty I love my job I love teaching I love training the students on the diplomas I love seeing clients and working with couples so there isn't really a part of my job that I feel I don't like and therefore I suddenly started to think well what are the rhythms of grace what are the boundaries and I started to come across this word what are the limits that I need to learn in order to be able to sing Christine DeMarco's song it is well it is well with my soul because I'm actually well six months ago I was singing it's not well it's not well it's not well with my soul And I started to realize that there's something about limits that I have to learn. And I thought, 
that there are many things I could share this afternoon, but the thing I felt I would share this afternoon is that <clears throat> unless we understand there's no such thing as a limitless life. There's no such thing as a life without limits. And then I, my call is to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And does that mean I go to every country in the whole world? No. Because there would be certain limits to that calling. And I want you to start to think about your limits. I'll tell you one or two of mine that are probably obvious. But I want you to think about your own limits. Because the thought that I'm exploring as a fresh thought, absolute fresh thought in my own life, that limits could be God's gift of grace in disguise. That if I understood my limits and I saw in those limits it was God who caused that as a gift, it's my gift from God, and I've started to live like that, I'm now happier with my limits. I think some churches are a little bit guilty. I'm sure your churches aren't guilty, but the churches in Scotland can be a little bit guilty because they say something like, um, because of God, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And some theology, I think, has crept into some teaching that maybe say, you can be anything, <clears throat> and you can do anything, and you could go anywhere. And now I'm not sure if I agree with that theology. And I started to think, what limits do we have? And I want to suggest just a, f a few. And what I want you to do is try, because this is a seminar, I'm going to make you work a little bit. You have to take some notes and you have to do a little bit of thinking and reflection. The first question I have this afternoon is, what season am I in? And depending on the answer to that, with every season, there's a new set of limits. So whether you're 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 or older, whatever season you're in, there's a certain limit. So if you're married, there's a limit put on your life because you're married, because you're no longer single. If you've got little babies, that's a limit. It's a gift from God and all the rest. But suddenly you're not free to go out every night and leave the babies at home. Some of us might say that there is an intellectual limit. I think I'm quite good at um, languages and sciences, but I'm really hopeless at maths and geometry. And so there's a, there's a limit to my knowledge. Some people have physical limitations. Some people have emotional limitations. Sometimes when I'm working with people, people ask me, am I an introvert or an extrovert? And you see, I, I think there are limitations <coughs> excuse me, to both those types of personality. When I do a Myers-Briggs test, I come out as a thing called an INFP. And those of you who, who do Myers-Briggs will know that that's an introvert. But because of my job, which is to come and speak to lots of people, I have had to learn to be a situational extrovert. So in the situation that I find myself in today, where I've come to share this special day with you, my introvert personality becomes a limit. Because I love things like studying and reading and, and being on my own and walking on my own and... 
And suddenly my job demands for today, I move past those limits to become a sit in this situation, I'm a situational extrovert. And I want you to think about what are your limits. Sometimes we're limited by our past failures. Sometimes we're limited by the decisions we've made. Sometimes we have financial limitations. Most of us have some financial limitations. So the question that I want you, in order to get near to an understanding of limits, the question I'm asking you is, what is that struggly, struggly, problemy, difficult thingy inside your heart? What is the thing you sometimes you might feel harassed with or frustrated with? Or if only I had more time, if only I had more money, if only I had more strength, if only I had more friends, if only there's something in all of us that I call our wee struggly thing. And if we could identify that instead of being frustrated by the wee struggly thing, and instead of hating the wee struggly thing, what if I converted our thinking today and said that wee struggly thing might be a gift of God's grace to each one of us at this time? Our scripture today, if, you, if you're interested, is 2 Corinthians 12. <clears throat> and this, um, I'll, I'll really be reading from verse 7 to verse 10. But the background to this particular portion of scripture is that um, Paul is speaking of a man, which we think is himself. And he, he is speaking that he doesn't want to boast. There was a man. He talks about a man who had been taken to heaven and saw revelations and saw into paradise and had extraordinary spiritual experiences and revelations. And he doesn't necessarily want to boast of his strength. He doesn't want to say, do you know, do you know what? I'm so, I am so amazing and I'm so spiritual. I have all these revelations of paradise. And he's found, he has discovered something that I suppose is counterintuitive. Most of us, if we go for a job interview, and the job interview might, if I was being interviewed for the sort of work I do, they might say, do you like people? And I'll say, oh, yes. I love people. And then they might say, do you like people who go to Slimming World? And I might say, oh, yes, I love people who go to Slimming World. And sometimes in an interview we present in false self because we like to boast of our strength. You know, so if they said to me, do you like maths and statistics? Oh, I love statistics and I love administration and I love data processing. That's all a lie. <laughs> but sometimes we want to boast of the things that we think should be our strengths. And Paul is about to give us a gift today because he's actually teaching us something else. In verse 7, he starts to speak <clears throat> of a thorn in the flesh. And because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger uh, 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 from Satan, to buffet me. That could mean to buffet me. Uh, <laughs> we won't go there now uh, to keep me... <laughs> 
I could tell you some secrets, but to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I entreated the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses than the power of, that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I'm well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions and difficulties for Christ's sake. And here's an amazing key. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And when we look at that word, a thorn in the flesh, a little more closely, in the Greek it actually means a stake. They used to put stakes in the ground and hammer them in. And Paul's using a word that, you know, that stake, that big thing that we put in the ground to protect our areas. I've got one of them inside of me. And that, that it must have been awful. And it says he pleaded three times, but the actual text says he pleaded many, many times all the time asking, please take this away from me. And he realized that because of this thorn in the flesh, there was something that was causing him to be weaker. He wasn't going to boast in the revelation. He wasn't going to boast about his spirituality. And he realized he actually talks in the Message Bible. It says, it was given to me as a gift from God. <clears throat> and I want to slow it down just a little bit this afternoon. It was given this thing that's frustrating, this thing that is jaggy in my flesh, this thing that causes me to limp emotionally, this thing that I don't like being limited because I just love to be free. It was given to me as a gift for my grace is sufficient, says the Lord. And here's the paradox. And when you're weak, then you're strong. And I started to think, wow, what are the things that are limiting me? Can I begin, instead of being frustrated about it, can I begin to see it as a special gift of God's grace? And I, when I hit 40, I got quite a lot of health problems and had to have lots of surgery. And I had to lie in my bed and I was paralyzed, and a big long story. And I used to sit, lie in my bed saying, I hate this. Why am I having all these tumors and blah, 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 and surgery? And I hate this. And suddenly, into some kind of dialogue with God comes this supernatural suggestion What if it's been given to me, this weakness? I have a one-sided weakness in my body because of all the stuff that happened to me. What if that's been given to me as a limit? A thing that is limiting me and what if it's actually about a gift to work God's grace into my life? And what, how can we see these things, these frustrations, these weaknesses, these inner pains, these thorns? If we could understand and I'm beginning to understand I'm still thinking about this I'm still thinking through if these things rather than these things are sent to try me some people in Scotland say oh this is sent to try you <laughs> I, I tend maybe not to think that in my own life I tend to think 
This thing that is so difficult for me to accept is in order that I would know more of God's grace. For in the weakness that this thing is causing me, the paradox is when I'm weak, I can know supernatural strength. And then we begin to, he says, I boast in my weakness. I don't boast in my strength. Because his revelation is that these limits are an amazing door into God's presence. And I want you to start this afternoon, and I've thought this through this last week or so. I want you to try and see, could my limits be a door? I'm going to offer some thoughts about a door. We're looking back at that amazing little gate picture I gave you this morning. Could my limit be a gate? Could my limit be a door that takes me into a whole other experience of God? And here are some thoughts that I want to give you. Number one, limits are a door to humility. And if we think of Paul, he's got this thorn of the flesh We don't actually know what the thorn is in Paul's life. It could have been something like his eyesight. It could have been a stammer. It could have been that he was a grumpy old man and people didn't like him and relationally he wasn't that attractive. It could have been all sorts of things. But what if limits are a door to humility? Because they ground us. Those things in our flesh that cause great difficulty, they actually ground us. So when I was paralyzed and I was lying in bed and I had to have all sorts of surgery on my neck uh, and I had to have tumors removed, suddenly I wasn't the independent kind of running around the world sort of figure. Because suddenly I couldn't move. I was paralyzed from the neck down and they didn't know how to sort it. And suddenly I had to change my posture from this kind of loving my independence, to being quite dependent. And there's a a scripture in Songs of Solomon, who is this coming out of the wilderness, leaning, says in the Bible, leaning on the arm of her beloved. And that's a massive posture change. I wonder if we could see limits as a door to humility, Sometimes we go into these wilderness experiences where there's great difficulty and pain and frustration. And the posture at the end of the wilderness is that we're now leaning heavily on the Lord in a way that in our independence we maybe didn't do. And that changes everything. We're now humble. We're now saying, Lord, can you take the weight of my life? Because I don't know if I... In my wilderness, I actually couldn't put any weight on my legs at all. Could you take the weight of my life? Can I trust you to carry me through this frustration? Can you use this frustration as a new door for me, a door to a greater humility? Number two, this limit, this frustration, could it be a door to deeper communion with Jesus? You see... If we're now dependent on him, and if we're humble enough to slow down a little bit, lots and lots of times in sickness, all all I could do was pray. Now I'm saying that that's actually a good thing if all we can do is pray, but at that time, 
I felt pretty useless and I was saying to myself, this is crazy, all I can do is sit here and pray. But I realised if I embrace, that's my limit. If I embrace that, all I can do is lie in this bed and stare at the ceiling. If I can embrace that, that there's something to do with God's grace in that disability that came to my life. And so I started to commune with God. It became a door to a deeper prayer life, a door to a deeper communion, a door to a deeper anointing. If truth be told, when somebody slaps a limit or a boundary or clamps our car or gives us a stake in the middle of our, our hearts, we don't actually feel very much like rejoicing if truth be told. And the week I, first week I had to go into hospital and I was paralyzed and I couldn't move. I just didn't have any joy in my heart at all. And that I was in a neurosurgical ward and the other patients would come and visit me and say, what have you got? What, what's wrong with you, Hen? And I would, I'd feel like saying, go away, <laughs> you know. I'd feel like saying, just leave me alone. And if truth be told, it actually took me three days to kind of get into a spiritual zone of actually saying, God, why, why this limping? Why this paralysis? Why this thorn? Why this difficulty? Why this frustration? And finally, after three days of struggling, <laughs> Creature shaking her fist at creator after three days of struggling. I surrendered it and said, nevertheless, your will be done. And I said something like, Lord, give me grace. If this is as good as it gets, give me grace and cause this to be a door. And that, those weeks I spent in hospital, three people in my ward came to the Lord. <laughs> Not because I was particularly amazing but because of the grace of the Lord. And I, was, I sensed an amazing change, a door to humility, a door to deeper communion with Jesus, a door to a revelation of Jesus. When people would come in and say, how are you coping with your thorn? <laughs> how are you coping with your frustration? And I said, well, I believe he's making me more grace-filled and somehow or other, he'll make this weakness a place. Then shall the weak say, I am strong because of what the Lord has done. The next thing, I think it's a door to direction. And the direction, in January, I had to speak at the New Wine Conference in New Zealand. And I think I spent about 39 hours in aircraft carriers. And then we had a great time in New Zealand and then I jumped on the plane and spent another three days getting home. And I thought, do you know what? I think age and stage and 39 hours in an aeroplane, here's the limit. I said to the Lord, you know, in my weakness, is there any place else I could go? <laughs> and suddenly a door opened into Eastern Europe and Albania and Bulgaria and, and Jerusalem, and they're all just about three, four, five-hour flights. And sometimes the door that is open because of our limitation becomes a door to direct us in our call. I don't know if I would accept an invitation right now to go back to New Zealand, not because it's not beautiful, but because of the limits, the 
physical limits, the age limits. I've got grandchildren, children, so on, my husband. And I think, no, that's a limit on me, and it's a door to direction. And lastly, limits are a door to mission. Strangely enough, people will sit beside you on trains and boats and planes and cafeterias and dinner places and and start to talk to you. And they'll start to talk about your life. And suddenly you, as someone who is walking in the understanding, then shall the Lord say, let the weak say, I am strong. You with a an understanding that God places limits on our life for our own good. God asks us to rest. God asks us to be paradoxical and counterintuitive about frustrations and weaknesses. I was on a plane flying to Nice. I I have most of my encounters of telling people about the Lord on airplanes, but it's just because I spend a lot of time in airports. And... (laughs) I've got a a bad knee now at my age, and I had booked an aisle seat so I could stretch out this sore knee uh, up the aisle. And the air hostess came to see me, and she said, would you mind sitting in the middle seat, madam? So I said, well, and I didn't want to be grumpy, but I said, well, well, you know, I've got a sore leg, and I like to hold my leg. And I said, why do you need me to sit in the middle seat? And she said, well, there's a couple flying to Nice for a special anniversary and they've had a fight. <laughs> and they're refusing to sit with one another on the plane and they're standing outside the plane at the steps. And, and unless you move seats, we can't, we're going to miss our takeoff slot. I said, oh, oh okay then, you see. And uh, so I sat in the middle and grumpy Mr. Smith got on there and grumpy Mrs. Smith sat there and I said, hello. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) So I've got the the limit, so I've got an artificial knee or whatever you call it, a knee plant, implant. And I'm I'm desperate to get on the L, so I'm I'm being ultra friendly like, Hello, my name's Andrea. Hello, my name's Andrea. Having a wee problem, are we? (laughs) I thought, I'll just go straight for this. Part of my job is I'm a couple therapist. And so so I did all this and I did it and I'm I'm talking away. And and then the man says, why are you going to Nice? And I said, oh, well, uh, when when I'm having to engage with people. So I said, "Um, I'm a servant of the Most High God. He said, really, what does that mean? I said, well, I help couples. (laughs) I have a mission to marriage. And I help couples to fall back in love. And they both started crying. And he forgave her and she forgave him. And and I said, oh, could I have my seat back now? (laughs) (laughs) I'm like... So you won't hear many people teaching you that our limits are a door to mission, but in my life, that's the truth. The nice wee bit of that story, the man got mega generous and he said, I must buy you a glass of champagne. And I said, oh, okay then. So <laughs> sipping champagne. And then the air hostess came up with another champagne. She says, thanks a million for helping. 
not at all. So, then shall the weak say, I am strong because of what the Lord has done. I want you to just have a little bit of a biblical framework for some of the things I'm saying. Uh, when I fly away uh, in about a quarter of an hour, I want you to think of Sarah and Abraham. So they had limits. She was 89, he was 99. And out of their limitation, they became the father, mother and father of many nations. Think of Moses. He's 80 and he has a severe speech impediment. And in fact, he had to get Aaron to speak, but, he, but God used him to speak the message to Pharaoh, let my people go. But he had severe limitations. Think of Elijah and Jeremiah, significant and major prophets in the Old Testament. They had emotional health limitations because they both suffered from depression and Elijah was also suicidal. And God used them within their limits to be of great, a great contribution to his people. Think of Timothy in Ephesus. His limitation was fear and timidity. And finally, the one I love the most, the Apostle John. And you know that he was in exile on the land of Patmos, on the island of Patmos. And that exile was a huge limitation. He was also a very old man. And I, uh, uh, he says in his writing in Revelation, turning around to see the voice. And then God says to John, come up here and I will show you. And God is speaking to a man who's probably nearly blind and who's severely arthritic and who's very old, turning around. And out of his severe limitations, he gave us the most revelatory book in the whole Bible. So here's my question. And I'd like you, this is a time for you to reflect. What are your limitations? I have physical limits. I have intellectual limits. Because my personality, I have emotional limits. I'm a granny now, and so, and I want to spend one or two days a week with my grandchildren. And that limits the time that I give away to things like this. I've got a wee boy who's three now called Hamish, a wee boy two called Henry, and a six month old baby girl called Hannah. And they're all staying with me the other day, and Hamish shouted, Granny, 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 come quick, <laughs> ran in. And he'd been doing his toothbrush, and his toothbrush fell down the toilet. And I, so I went, ooh, ooh, dirty, dirty, dirty. And I threw it in the bin. And Hamish looked at me, and he said, come to your bathroom, Granny. So he came to my bathroom, and he picked out my favorite toothbrush. And he said, this fell in there three days ago. <laughs> <laughs> Help! <laughs> I love, I am the most besotted granny in the world, but being a granny has its limitations, and you all know that. <laughs> so I'm, I'm telling you my limits. What are yours? See, I want you to think about it. Second part of the question how do you see them? Do you shake your fist at God still, which I did? Does it take you days and days to recover grace? Or do you see them as a gift of God's grace to us, to each one of us, 
in order that in those areas of my weakest moments, strangely enough, it's paradox, I'm strong. I want to give you just one or two examples and then we're going to close in prayer. But John Milton, his limit was blindness. And when he wrote um, uh, Paradise Lost, he was, I think he was totally blind when he wrote Paradise Lost. But with blind eyes, he was able to see spiritual realities and then he offered those spiritual realities to us. Beethoven, by 1817, he was completely deaf. And in fact, his greatest work, I, I find this one amazing, his greatest work came after he was deaf. Here he is, a composer, musician. And by the time he's writing his Ninth Symphony, he's deaf. So much so that he was conducting his Ninth Symphony for the first time in public. And everyone behind him, and uh, had, were, they're all shouting, bravo, bravo, and clapping, and, and going bananas. And he didn't hear any of it. And the only time he realized it was his orchestra stood up and they started to receive this applause. And then he turned around, having not heard any of the applause, and out of his extreme limitation came some of the most genius moments in music. And I want you to think, what could come out of each one of us? What, if, what could come out if we said, these things that are our limits could be God's gift to us, and from those things could come forth the most amazing strength. Some of you, your weakness might be your history. My job is to work in a psychodynamic way and ask people about the power of their past and their background history. And sometimes the weakness of our history is the thing that defines us. But that doesn't need to keep defining us. Because if we say, now let this, the weak, say I am strong. If we turn, he's a table-turning God. And the thing that should define us and make us the most biggest mess in the whole world. Suddenly God gives us grace upon grace upon grace. And suddenly we're defined not by the limitation, but by the paradox of him using the limitation. And I want you, just in these few minutes, I'm going to pray with you in a minute, because something comes out, something comes out of your life from the place of your greatest weakness. And I want you just for a moment, just take a wee note. Where would God be asking me to put limits? Because I'm a granny, I can't give away every single day of the, the week to church work. There's a limit. Because I've already been told that the Sabbath is a day of rest for me, there's a limit. <coughs> But in that place of weakness and in that place of limits, what is coming out of your life? And I want you to take a moment and then we're going to pray together and lift those things up before the Lord. So just take a wee moment to reflect. You can discuss with your neighbor if you want and talk about it. Just take just five minutes to discuss what I've been saying. Because in a minute we're going to lift up these things to the Lord. <clears throat> <clears throat> I 
And while you're reflecting, Matthew, did we find Kristen DeMarco? Right. While you're reflecting, listen to this song and it might help some of your meditations. So if you know this chorus, let's just join with Kristen DeMarco. This is our confession. It is well. Let's start singing this. With my soul. Let's stand.
Let's start praying it as well. Start praying it as well. Lord, thank you. Thank you for that proclamation. Father, we just hold our hands before you and we ask that our limits become a peculiar grace gift from you. And we ask in a supernatural way that the things that perhaps would cause great weakness would somehow be converted and divinely exchanged that you would perfect your strength. And Father, in the midst of our sadness, our limitations, our frustrations, our jaggy bits, I pray now for a perfection of your power and that you would let that flow through us to those that we live and those that we've to do life with. We pray together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to hand back to Dave.